Up next, civil rights attorney Benjamin Crump. Attorney Crump, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, as always, Armstrong, for having me and telling these important stories uh, that need to be told to America. Take us back to February. What happened in 2020 with Mr. Aubrey? On February 23rd, 2020, Ahmaud Aubrey was jogging through the Centilla Shores community, only one street over from where he lived uh, in Brunswick, Georgia. And he was profiled and pursued by a murderous father and son duo, Gregory McMichaels and his son, Travis McMichaels. And it's tragic because we have video proof of a lynching happening in 2020. And I want to be clear for the record, Armstrong Williams, it was not that the police saw the video that made them arrest this uh, murderous duo, this father and son, 10 weeks, over 10 weeks later. It was because we, the people, saw the video. And once we saw the video, we could not unsee the video. Uh, I mean, it enraged us. And that rage turned to a public outcry. Uh, not just an outcry from the civil rights uh, community, not just an outcry from the Black Lives Matter activists, but an outcry from the clergy and the college students and people of goodwill and moral character all over the country cried out and demanded that there be accountability because we could not believe we had just witnessed a young man being lynched in 2020. And so it took 74 days after that execution of this unarmed young man for there to be an arrest. And Armstrong, the police, saw that video on day one. They heard the McMichaels make claim that he was uh, in commission of a burglary. If a uh, 45 police officer with, with probably no training at all came upon this case, even he would have challenged the McMichaels because Ahmad Aubrey had no burglar's mask. He had no burglar's tools. He had no burglar bag. All he had on was a t-shirt, shorts, and jogging shoes. So how is it the police let these murderers go home and sleep in their beds at night in peace for over 10 weeks? And now, finally, after the world has saw that video, we are finally starting to take the first steps towards justice for Ahmad Aubrey. How did you um, get access to the tape? You know, it's fascinating, Armstrong. The tapes were actually leaked by Gregory McMichaels and his attorney at the time because they thought these tapes would exonerate them also, they had heard a rumor, as we, our legal team, understand, that people were saying there was a Confederate flag on the back of his truck. So they wanted to release 
the video to dispel that and think in some way that this was going to exonerate them. And it's just asinine because quite literally what you see is reminiscent of things from yesteryear that we thought we had overcome. I mean, it's like a lynch mob is chasing Ahmaud Aubrey, this unarmed young black man who is jogging through the community and his father has a shot, uh, a 357 Magnum and his son has a shotgun and they go chasing him. And the fact that when you really think about it, Armstrong, and I'm, I'm gonna be graphic because people have to understand that he was truly executed. Our ballistics experts tell us a shotgun is one of the most powerful weapons that could be used to kill a person. It's what we use when an elephant breaks out from the zoo, you use a shotgun to go put them down. And he said, unlike a gun that only fires one projectile when the trigger is pulled, a shotgun fires several projectiles when it's pulled. And so he said the entry wound on a shotgun is about like a half a dollar, the size of a half a dollar, because a gun wound, the bullet may not have an exit wound, but on a shotgun, it's almost 99% of the time gonna have an exit wound. And so he says it enters like a half dollar. And then he says, it then expands inside you as it pushes all your organs back with the velocity. And then on the exit wound, by the time it exits, it could be as big as a tea saucer, a teacup saucer. And so when we watch that video, and you see Ahmad take his last few steps before he falls to the ground. You see a blood, a circle of blood that kind of expands on his back. And our expert says that is visual evidence that you can see the exit wound. And so it is tragic how this young man was executed. And for what reason? The color of his skin. That is the only thing you can conclude when you look at all the objective evidence involving this case. Talk about William Bryan, William, um, Bryan Jr. Who is he and what role did he play in all this? The arrest of William Rowdy Bryan, who was the person who videotaped on his cell phone this uh, lynching of Ahmad Aubrey. Uh, he had maintained that he was just an innocent bystander who happened upon this and he videotaped it and he had absolutely nothing to do with the McMichaels, that he felt ashamed of what they had done to Ahmaud Albert. But my clients and my co-counsels uh, in the Ahmaud Albert case, we have always maintained from the beginning that William Bryan was an accomplice to the crimes that were committed by the McMichaels. Because on day one in the police report, Gregory McMichaels, the father, said that Rowdy had attempted to cut him off, but he got away. And so that is in the police report from day one. And then secondly, when you look at that video, you have objective evidence where they chase him for four minutes. 
Armstrong as he was for his life. And you're telling me that it's just an innocent bystander when you're chasing this young man for four minutes. And then when he's shot those three times, you don't hear any audible gas. You don't hear any uh, exclamation like, oh, my God, they just shot that young man. It's like he's filming and documenting it for uh, a reason that he knew what they were up to. And on top of all of that, Armstrong Williams, there is a text message from a police officer, Robert Rash, who is going to the homeowner that is building the house that they keep trying to allege Amar Aubrey has burglarized or trespassed. And what they say on that text message is that next time he comes, the intruder comes, you don't have to call us the police, just call Gregory McMichaels and they were handling. So we believe wow. this was an organized mob who had a premeditated plan to confront and capture the black jogger when he came through. And the reason we know it was based on race Armstrong, because when you look at the video surveillance of that home under construction, there are several people, mostly white people, just walking in the house, uh, going around, doing everything you see a mob doing. But they didn't chase any of them with a 357 Magnum and a shotgun and execute them in broad daylight. It was only the young black man. Let me let me let me uh, let's pause and let us raise this question with you, Attorney Crump. I mean, what you're saying is so powerful and so irrefutable. But the prosecution on who handled this case saw no need to recommend this, and is anything but. Um, someone defending their property, that it was just cause. What does this say about the prosecution and others that were involved and the authority uh, position where they felt no need to press charges? And, and that's a very important question because we have asked, Ahmaud Arbery's family has asked that there be an investigation into the entire investigation from start to finish in the aftermath uh, from this execution of Ahmad Aubrey, because you are correct, Armstrong Williams. The police officers there took the words of uh, the killers as the gospel and let them go home, even though you had a dead and unarmed black man laying on the ground. And then it was alleged that the first prosecutor, Jackie Johnson, who had a conflict of interest because Gregory McMichaels the father was a police officer and had been a detective for 30 years in the district attorney's office. And so it is alleged that she told the police not to file charges in this matter. The police dispute that. I'm sorry, uh, she disputes that. But two city commissioners, an African-American and a white city commissioner, have went on the record to say their police were told by this district attorney not to file charges. Prosecutor number two, Barnhill is his name out of Waycross, Georgia, Liberty County. He also has a conflict of interest because he has done work with the McMichaels. And he says, I too have a conflict of interest. However, he writes a memorandum 
saying based on the video, based on other irrelevant reasons that he sees no reason, no probable cause exists to arrest the McMichaels. And it's very troubling because even though he said he had a conflict of interest, he still put his thumb on the scales of justice once he wrote that memo on this case. And that goes against all the canons of ethics. Once you have a conflict of interest, you are not allowed to say or do anything pertaining to a case. And then we come to prosecutor number three. That is Mr. Durden, who also looks at all of this evidence, all this information, and he says, well, I can't make a decision whether to arrest him or not. It has to go to the grand jury on June 12th because we're under the coronavirus pandemic and the courts are closed. And oh, by the way, now, Armstrong, that June 12th date for the grand jury has been delayed even further. So these killers never would have been arrested no time soon had it been on that district attorney. Uh, it's a sad conversation as we discuss Ahmaud Aubrey and just the miscarriage of justice. You know, um, Attorney Trump, you put people in positions um, to be justice should be blind. It should be impartial. You should look at the forensics and the evidence and you should make a decision. Why do you think the people who had an opportunity and had the probable cause to make a re recommendation that they be arrested immediately, why did they uh, abandon their oath of office and their Hippocratic oath of the law? Armstrong, I believe it may be for two reasons. Number one, I think because they had a relationship with Gregory McMichaels, who was still quasi-law mm -hmm. enforcement, even though he was retired, he had those relationships in the southeastern Georgia legal and law community. We believe it was the good old boys network, Armstrong, why they chose to look the other way in face of all this overwhelming evidence that they had murdered this young man. Well, you know what? We all have a good old boys network where we have relationships and we protect our families as much as I, as much as we can. But we're talking about protecting someone who, where the evidence clearly shows that this young man was murdered in cold blood for no reason at all. Even if it's the old boys network, if it's your son or somebody you're close to, you're not going to put the rule of law ahead of your emotions for someone that you've had attachment to for maybe a lifetime. You know, it's, it's two points on that, Armstrong, because uh, the second reason, I think, is uh, more heinous. That is the fact that Ahmaud Arbery was a young black man and the alleged killers were white. And I have long argued that the evidence suggests that we have two justice systems in America, one for black America and one for white America, and we have to fight to come together as the United States of America and say that all our citizens are guaranteed the full benefits and rights of our Constitution. Well, Ahmaud Aubrey did not get due process on February 23rd, 2020. And that's what this is all about. I'm sorry. Well, who finally, who finally stepped in and, in Georgia and showed respect for the law and making sure that justice was served here? It was the Georgia Bureau of Investigations 
uh, and Governor Kemp, a Republican governor, who called in uh, Jackie, I'm sorry, called in District Attorney Joyette Holmes, who is the Cobb County District Attorney. She is an African-American female. She is a Republican. And she came in and zealously said, I'm going to prosecute this case based on the evidence. And her and the Georgia Bureau of Investigations uh, with the video, with the text message, with the police reports, with all this information, immediately said, we're going to do equal justice under the law. These men murdered this young boy and they arrested him. Uh, the father and the son had charged them with murder and aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Now, some would say, some would say, why didn't Mrs. Holmes and the governor get involved in this case early on? Was it because it was not brought to their attention? Or you have to invite them to invite the investigators who are doing the investigation? How does that process work? Armstrong, I think it's like what I said at the very beginning of this interview. It was not that they saw the video that made them finally arrest them. It was because we saw the video and the people demanded that we have to have accountability. You can't have a young man be lynched in 2020 and nobody be arrested. Where do we go from here? You, you know, where we go is we, as Ahmaud Aubrey's father has said, with as much conviction and simplicity as I have ever heard, he said, we look at this case just as if the shoe was on the other foot and it was me and my son, Ahmad, who got in a pickup truck with a 357 Magnum and a single pump shotgun. And we went and chased and hunted down an unarmed young white man who was jogging through the community and killed him in broad daylight. Whatever would happen to us needs to happen to them. And when he says them, he means everybody that was involved in this lynch mob because he had maintained from day one that his, his son was lynched. Um, Benjamin Crump is our guest. You know, you mentioned Breonna Taylor. That is another case that you find yourself faced with, uh, Attorney Crump. Yes, sir. Uh, Armstrong, I have said on every interview, every chance I got, if you ran for mod in the mod Aubrey case, then you have to stand with Bree. This is Brianna Taylor, a young lady who was executed in the sanctity of her own home in Louisville, Kentucky, because her life mattered too, and black women lives matter too, and we cannot let them be marginalized and swept under the rug. Uh, I and Senator Rand Paul actually uh, find common ground on this issue because he has went on record saying that we need to abolish these dangerous no-knock warrants uh, because it is foreseeable that innocent law-abiding people can be hurt or worse killed as a result of these executions of these no-knock warrants. And Breonna Taylor is exhibit number one. I mean, it's tragic because imagine I'm strong, you're sleeping in your bed at night around 12, 31 o'clock in the morning. And police officers who don't announce themselves are in plain clothes, bust open your door with a battering ram and come in 
And her boyfriend, Kenny Walker, who was in bed with her, who's a law-abiding citizen, a registered gun owner, he gets his gun out to protect his castle, his woman, and their lives. He shoots one shot. And then the police open up, unloading 25 to 30 rounds from the front door, from the side window, from the patio. And tragically, Armstrong, Breonna Taylor, this EMT, this young lady who wanted to be a nurse and help people, that's all she ever wanted to do. No criminal history, never even been arrested, was mutilated with footage from the police, at least eight of them, while she was in her underwear. Listen, um, Attorney Benjamin Crump, thank you so much for joining us for this special edition of the Armstrong Williams Show. And we certainly will have you back as you continue to update us on these cases, whether it's Brianna, whether it's Ahmad, and others that you're working tirelessly with. Again, thank you for your service and joining us for this edition. Thank you. God bless you, Armstrong. God bless you. Thank you. I'm Armstrong Williams. Thank you for listening to this edition of The Strongcast.